This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullertel, and we're here to talk all things sport across the Pacific. I'm joined by Sarah Nengama. Full of Inaka, everyone. Dean, it's so lovely to be back in the studio with you again. Yes, I love being here and talking, as I said, all things sport, looking at what's coming up uh, in the week and ahead in sport. But can you tell me how your week's been, Sarah? I've had a fantastic start to the week. So I had a pretty cool opportunity on the weekend, on Sunday. Um, I had the opportunity to sit on a panel with uh, the one and only Sonny Bill Williams and uh, cover the Bledisloe. So that was a pretty special opportunity because I just had never done it before. And it was fantastic. Well, firstly, congratulations on that opportunity. Thanks, friend. Using your expert knowledge in the game of rugby union. But yeah, to be sat alongside someone like Sonny Bill, who's one of the best athletes across many sports mm. in uh, in the world. That, that, that was pretty cool. But, you know, I always come in good with a story for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, just in true Sarah nature, like nothing can ever go right on my first day of something new, right? So now the other ABC show, that Pacific sports show, first day fire brigade comes because I set off the fire alarms. First day doing this new commentating gig and um, SBW and I are sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm so cool right now. Next minute, the couch breaks. <laughs> The, the front two legs of the couch just completely go and we are both like sat on the ground and I'm like what the hell luckily at this point like we were deep into the second half right but there's only about 20 minutes to go so people on set are like rushing around calling other people from other levels to bring like reams of paper and boxes of batteries so um if you jump into my instagram and you're like i've i posted about it you'll see the couch being perked up by um a couple of uh boxes of batteries so uh you know it was great but with every highlight is the low light, and those two definitely came in a pair. That's a, that's a WHS issue there, right there. I can't believe that that couch folded. Yeah, it did. It actually folded. But you know what? Enough about me, Dean. How's your week been going? Our uh, week's been good. Uh, it's, it's weird because we come in here every week, and um, not much changes in terms of where I go. I go to the same place every week, like everyone else. I'm working from home, but I get, I'm lucky enough to get to come in the studio, record this with yourself, uh, and I still cover the football on the weekend for ABC Grandstand. So... I'm still getting out and about a little bit, yeah. but otherwise I'm just hanging out with the family. It's Father's Day on Sunday, so I've got to spend- Yes, happy so, Father's Day. Thank you. Did I, you get breakfast? I got breakfast, yeah. My wife organized, uh, actually organized this breakfast from uh, a cafe. It was like a um, special Father's Day um, pack and uh, pancakes and bacon. It's like a like a Canadian breakfast. Like, Is that like pancakes, bacon, maple syrup? Yeah, yeah like that, that kind of thing. Of- but then also like- banana and mascarpone like it was like what? really good yeah oh my god and my triple shot coffee which is like a triple shot yeah that's my, my starter <laughs> if that's your start do you get a second coffee in the day yeah generally and then like another one. triple shot nah just a double shot that's like isn't it like 50 cents or a dollar for another shot yeah so like well, what's your what's your so do you get a small or a large large so your coffee's like what eight dollars oh no that's no, not eight dollars it's like five dollars or something five fifty I mean, got some deep pockets there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I, I do all this ABC work to, to pay for my coffees. But you know what? Can I just say, I've, 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 fli- I've flipped a little bit. I was lattes and two sugars. Like, kid you not, every Pacific Islander has two sugars. Like, it's just a given. It went from uh, lattes with two sugars, then to a cappuccino with one sugar. And then as the past two weeks, I've been a flat white with oat milk. With oat milk? Yes. Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. I'm a flatty. I, I drink the flat whites, yeah. 
I'm just saying, like, it's next level. It's like creamy. So you've weaned off the sugar. Yeah, I've weaned off the sugar. And then I've just decided to put a bit of money in the milk. Yeah, okay. Cool. 50 cents. Yeah. Not like you. What we've got, four we've dollars got into like, many shots. We got into a coffee show. We're talking about coffee. What do we got coming up this hour in, in our show? Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview with Wallaby Tatafu now, and we have a new question for our favorite segment. You can ask that. There's plenty to get through, but first off, let's talk about the game that you love, the NRL. Yes, the NRL. Well, we'll start with the QRL and the PNG Hunters that we love to follow and keep track on. Uh, they had a win on the weekend against the Central Queensland Capras. The Capras came back pretty hard at the Hunters, who got off to an early lead. I think they scored the, the first three tries, but uh, the the Capras chased them down at the end. Hunters held on 22 points to 20. Unfortunately, they got one more round of play. They're, they're no chance. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. Mm. They're no chance to make the finals. But for them to finish on a positive note, hopefully they, they get a win this weekend. It'll set up a, a more positive off-season, pre-season to lead into next year. Yeah, they definitely have hit form late in the season, but hopefully they can get the job done next week and, and on a high. That's right. And in the final round of the NRL, round 25, the Storm beat the Sharks 28 points to 16. Really important game for both teams because the Storm, uh, in winning, they secured the minor premiership. The Sharks had an opportunity to secure a spot in the eight. They weren't able to do that. Uh, but the Storm... Clinical best. Uh, they had a few players out, uh, but they were still able to get that win. And they, it was a really hard-fought win. They showed their class. Brandon Smith was really strong. He scored a good try, which is um, – I think he scored 11 or 12 tries this year. For a, a hooker to score that many tries is pretty impressive. Uh, but this one was very typical Brandon Smith style. Hughes, right-hand side of the scrum, feeds it. Brandon Smith comes around here, left-hand side. Pappenhausen inside, ball beat. Nelson gets free out the back. Kennedy stops him, so too Rudolph. He shrugged his way past a couple of tacklers. Kept going here. Brandon Smith burrows from dummy half. Goes himself to score. Inside the opening, five and a half minutes. Brandon Smith on the board. Brandon Smith. Sorry, I said that so wrong. Brandon Smith burrows over the try line. He burrows over. And, of course, Big Nelson is referring to Nelson yes. Asafa Solomon, who will give most of the credit for the try because he knocked over a few Cronulla defenders near the line, nearly scored himself, got a quick play the ball away, and that created the space for Brandon Smith to burrow over. I mean, he's a bit of a nugget too, so I can, he definitely would have burrowed over. I'd hate to tackle him. <laughs> And the other match that caught my eye on the weekend was the Panthers over the Eels, 40 points to six. So it was a huge win for the Panthers and a number of Pacifica players crossed the line. Brian Toll, we love Brian Toll. We really do. He's just such a character both on and off the field. But please correct me if I'm wrong here, but was that his first career hat trick? Surely he's got another one. No, scores- I was told that that was his first career. So our, our guy, he always knows how to find the whitewash. Yeah. But that game was the first time that he had scored a hat-trick. I was blown away by that stat. Well, it was uh, an impressive game from Brian Toll. He's only just returned from injury a few weeks ago. Has it missed a beat? Not at all. Tavita Pangai Jr., uh, he scored a try as well, who was um, a pickup only a few weeks ago mm. for the Panthers from the Broncos. So he's proving his worth. And Apisai Corusel, he was uh, great out of hooker again, and he scored the last try of the match. 19 out, right in centre field. Penrith on the attack. Corusel out of the right. Made a clear. He short ball to Martin. He nearly got through. Desperate tackle, was it? Uh, bring him down, Arthur, it was. Ball play. Corusel, there's nobody at home. And he's over to score. He got straight past Cartwright. <laughs> and by the time he got to Sean Russell, he was already in the in-goal area. Nobody's at home. It's not a very good defensive line when there's nobody at home. <laughs> no, he really isn't. Fun fact, I actually went to school with Tavita. Well, him and I were like, he was a year below me. Right. So often when I watch the NRL, and there's a fair few boys that came from Endeavour Sports, but as I like to refer to us, Endeavour Grammar. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. I swear we could form our own team. 
There'd be some good players coming out of Endeavour. But yeah, Champion, Scott Sorensen, he was Scott a year Sorensen, above me. Bryson Goodwin went there. Yep. There's a whole yeah, the list keeps going and going. Kevin Nangama. Yes. Forget him, Sarah Nangama. <laughs> Hundred. <laughs> Sorry, Kev. Turning our attention to the Titans game, they thrashed the Warriors 44-0. Yeah, well, this was the game that was going to determine who uh, finishes up in eighth spot. The, the Sharks, as I mentioned earlier, they were a chance. They lost. They were still holding on until the Sunday game where the Titans only needed 11, but they ended up smashing the Warriors, 44 points. Uh, they really wanted to make the eight and uh, in front of a home crowd. They were very impressive. Although it was a huge win for the Titans, there was some poor behaviour shown on the field. There was a total of four sin bins, three of which came from the Warriors being Chaz Devanga, Matt Lodge and Kane Evans. Just want to touch a little bit on Kane. Our guy has been caught in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. I love him. He's a personal friend of mine. Um, But that's his second, second... um, For the same, for the same indiscretion, punching. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, so yeah, he he obviously, tempers boiled over in this game and, and the Warriors... Uh, they, they're not in the eight, the end of the season. There's been a lot going on for the competition this yeah. year, but a lot of players on, on that day lost their call. Jazz Tavanga, I love Jazz Tavanga. He's one of my favorite players, but he's also the protector. So he wants to help his teammates yeah. out whenever he can. Come flying in and escalated a, a melee. That's why he got 10 in the bin. Uh, Matt Lodge was a part of another melee, which Kane Evans started throwing some punches. And Kane, like he, he's willing, but he hasn't landed many... <laughs> But he's a senior player now, Kane, yeah. and he and he. Um, I know he's again a guy that wants to stick up for his teammates, um, but it hasn't helped in helped him in terms of uh, suspensions and uh, fines. Yeah, no, it really hasn't. No club would ever be impressed by that many. Um, I guess that many players acting the way that they were. But what can you do? You just put it behind you, right? That's right. Yes, it's the best they can do. Now let's get on to the game they play in heaven, and a game that you were a front seat to. Yes, uh, the All Blacks and Wallabies had their third Bledisloe match. As we know, in Game 2, the All Blacks had already secured the cup. So, you know what, there was uh, it was a really good game to watch. The opening minutes in the first 10 minutes, you saw – oh, sorry, we saw Summer Karevi. He joined the Wallabies, which was great to see because he's just come off his Olympic campaign, which is freaking huge, by the way. I loved it. Um, he broke the line. You know, Marika Kornbete was, like, chasing hot on his tail, and I was like, look at this, Fijians putting them on the map. Next minute, disallow try. Oh, unlucky. But <laughs> overall, fantastic game. Um, you know what? The Wallabies never, ever want to lose. Like no one ever intentionally sets out to lose. They did try. I think that they didn't have the best performance. I don't necessarily think it had anything to do with their defense, but more so their attack. They had so many opportunities, particularly when they were in their 22, but they just didn't turn it around. There was just some silly passes. And the All Blacks, man, they're, just, they're next level, right? So even just like the simplest tip off the hip, some guy comes in into Sam. So David runs, Billy, yeah, 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 yeah. runs 70 meters. So um, it was a huge match, unfortunate for our Wallabies, but they do have the rest of the rugby championships ahead of them. This week, they look forward to versing the current world champs, South Africa. That'll be, be huge. That'll be huge. There's going to be some huge games coming up. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, and on to Paralympics, which ended on the weekend. PNG's Maria Maros, he came 10th in the men's javelin F34 category with an area record throw of 21.11 metres. That's huge, man. Yeah, well done to Maria. Uh, to be able to throw on the world stage and throw a best is uh, is impressive and well done to, to get 10th in that category. 
Yes. Uh, Nellie Ruth Lever, she's also of PNG Heritage. I love her because in the other ABC show that I covered, that Pacific Sports show, we've been doing a whole lot of coverage on her. And she's just an incredible mother of three. She has, you know, just I haven't had the opportunity to meet her personally, but just through the features that I've seen of her, she's so gently spoken but has, like, so much heart. So she came 11th in the women's javelin F46 category with also a personal best throw of 23.3 metres. It's very impressive to, to see these athletes um... – Prep for Olympic Games, which which are, sorry, are Paralympic Games, which no doubt is a long process, uh, five years between this time uh, and the last one. So to go out and compete and perform at your best and throw personal best is uh, it shows that the work that went in hmm. proved successful, and um, yeah, hopefully again there's opportunities that come up in following Paralympics. But you know what this also means, Dean. We bid farewell to the Tokyo Olympics. We waited five years. It's come. Tokyo is finished. Let's just give a hey, slight well, clap. Well done. They got through it. Yeah. Great. That wraps up a huge week in sport. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us today on Talanoa time, we're very fortunate to be joined by a friend of the shows in that he's a friend of mine, he's a friend of Sarah's, and he's an all-round good guy, Tatafu Pilota now. Uh, he's of Tongan heritage. He's born here in Australia, but he's a Wallabies great. He's represented Australia on 90 occasions. He played Australian schoolboys. He played for the Waratahs in Super Rugby along with the Western Force, spent some time over in England at the Leicester Tigers, uh, and he's a he's a Sydney boy, so he's he's Brought up in Sydney, and uh, he's a Western Sydney kid, and it's great to have you on board, Tatafu. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Dean and Sarah. Pleasure is all ours. Tafs, you have such a huge CV when it comes to the game of rugby union. Take us to the beginning. Where did it all start for you? Well, it's funny you say that, Sarah, because I'm still learning the game. Um, it keeps evolving every single time uh, I participate in it. Um, however, in saying that, it's been a great journey in terms of where I first started uh, learning about it uh, in high school. A teacher transferred to our school by the name of Mr. Ridgeway, and we had no idea. He showed us a couple of Bleslow tests and made us uh, do a PDHPE lesson. And then uh, for some reason or another, he just uh, put our names, me and a few friends that we did a PDHPE with, uh, into a trial match in the prospect zone. And from there, we just... uh, had fun with it rather than sort of worrying about the technical side of it. It was quite funny uh, referring to rucks as stacks on, um, <laughs> line outs as wedgies and oh scrums as uh, head, headbutts galore. So, no, uh, it was actually very uh, enjoyable in terms of learning it in the classroom and then actually doing the practical. So, yeah, I think that's what sat with me or what resonates with me uh, most uh, enjoyably is the transferring of that lesson onto the uh, rugby paddock. I love hearing all of the names that you put around set piece. That's that's quite funny, but it's uh, so relevant because it's so true. I just want to ask, when you, when did your first opportunity come um, to put on some representative stripes? Uh, oh, jeez. First time would have to be probably 17. Um, I was fortunate enough to participate in both schools and club. Um, and I was fortunate enough to represent Australian schoolboys in 2002, and we were lucky enough to uh, go on a trip to Tonga in New Zealand. So 
by this stage, my mother was overseas in the US just visiting family and somehow word got out to her that we were in Tyre. So she called up all her family over in Tyre and put on a feast for the boys. So, and then she also mentioned that uh, she's going to give me a hiding when she gets back. So um, it was quite uh, twofold, but nonetheless enjoyable. So that was probably the highest representative level or the, and, and the first, I should say. How was that experience for your teammates in the Australian school board side to, to go to Tonga and to be able to experience a feast and, and to live or to spend some time uh, amongst uh, your own culture? Uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, I, few, I keep in touch with a few of the boys that I played in that team with, um, the likes of Ben Robinson, who's a Wallaby prop as well, and Dean Mum in the second row. Uh, they love the fact that uh, it was pretty much uh, free range with all the pigs just running around, even in their uh, little styes. Us uh, with our uh, coconut shells, uh, once we're finished with it, we show, we give it to the boys to throw it into the pig pen and they just feast on it. And what they really loved was the fact that in a feast, usually you let the guests eat um, from a family perspective. And then once the guests are finished, then the family would eat, it, would eat afterwards. But at the same time, uh, I think uh, a few of the f- family members did well to sort of um, translate both in English and Tongan. And the boys really appreciated that because they hardly knew what the elders were talking about, but we're fortunate enough that they got translated by the younger cousins. So, um, yeah, they still talk about that experience this very day. Just just on culture, and I mentioned earlier that you were born in, in Sydney, but culture is something that is very important to you. I know before hearing you talk about the fact that at home you, you spoke your language and it was something that you um, you know you were encouraged to do as a youngster. Is, is that something that you're, you're proud of the fact that you – being, although you're born in Australia and you live in, in Western Sydney, you still maintain that connection to your Tongan culture? Absolutely, Dean. I think uh, I even mentioned this to Sarah that when we were at a young age, obviously we didn't understand the meaning of it and it's not until now that we do because I'm fortunate enough that part of our culture being the oldest boy of my family is that I actually have to get up and welcome guests and also deliver speeches to guests and in order to do that, I had to start young but in saying that it was very enjoyable. Um, and that's, I think that's where my uh, love for learning language uh, began. Even though English was pretty dominant, um, it was sort of married between Tongan. So I'd be speaking Tonglish whenever I'd go to school. Tonglish. Uh, yeah, in primary school. So um, in terms of speaking Tongan, um, I still need to brush up on it because I get mixed up with the grammar now of English and sort of apply that into whenever I speak Tongan. So, yeah, every now and then I sort of have to remember, all right, listen, go back to Tongan grammar, not uh, English grammar. Tafs, I just want to touch a little bit more on your rugby career. You had a huge, huge appearance with the Waratahs and also the Wallabies. Looking back on all of those years, is there a career highlight for yourself? Uh, uh, there's too many to choose from, Sarah, because I actually enjoyed uh, the defeats more than the successes because that's how I learned in order to get better. Um, with every f- failure, I actually learned, okay, what could I do better in order to be better prepared for the next game, but also 
get my game to its absolute best because it's never perfect uh, throughout one season. It's it's a whole journey. I guess the failures were more rewarding than the successes. For example, um, 2008 Waratahs, we made it to the final and we actually uh, were leading, but they came back and took it off us in the late last 20 minutes. Um, what I learned from there was if you're going to lead, lead big because there's no such thing as a, a two-point lead for 60 minutes, particularly against a team like the Crusaders. And I was fortunate enough to have deja vu back in 2014 and we're fortunate enough that, uh, yeah, in the 78th minute, Bernard Foley kicked that goal to uh, make us victors. But you just know... It, quality team like the uh, Crusaders will always find a way to score. You talk about the 2014 uh, final. Does that mean that's your career highlight? Uh, good question. I think I would Premierships say are hard to come by, Tavs. They are, but uh, so are uh, tests where, or games that you know that you just gave it your all. And somehow uh, you find a way to win. For example, I remember clearly a game. It was New South Wales versus Queensland up at Suncorp. Ewan McKenzie was the coach of the Reds. And he knew how he, we would play. So he threw um, different tactics which worked in their benefit. However, we found a way in the last 10 minutes to score two quick tries and... Um, that to me sticks out because we thought we were done. However, we sort of had a mentality to say, listen, you know when you're done, when the final whistle goes, so it's not over yet. That One of those games is a career highlight for me. Um, the other would probably be the World Cup final defeat in 2015. Even though we almost made the comeback, but unfortunately uh, not to be with uh, Bowden Barrett skipping away to score that last try and make the gap even bigger. But from that game, I think I learned a lot more to finish off the career in a flourish in terms of uh, mentally stable. Well, yeah, I like that. I like that you've, you've taken – most people would watch sport and would be – the ultimate achievement is to have success and to win tournaments and lift trophies and all that, which is, you know, it is definitely very rewarding. But I love that you've taken – lessons more lessons from the things that that haven't worked out the way that you probably wanted them to initially um but ultimately you, you take something far bigger uh i guess one last question before um says is going to dive into a bit of fun um what's one piece of advice that you would give your 10 year old self oh geez how much time do you have really um <laughs> you got 30 the, seconds to be precise <laughs> right i'd say the biggest one is embrace failure because Unless you fail, you won't learn and you won't learn the biggest lessons. And I feel like that's probably the biggest lesson I will give my 10-year-old self. Embrace the failure. Spoken like a true legend. Um, Tafs, it's been such a treat to speak to you and find out a little bit more about how your journey has unfolded over the years. Before we wrap up, we love to do a fun little segment with our guests and it's called Tip-Ons. Basically, it's a 60-second rapid-fire question Um segment and basically i just ask you a series of questions and i just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind it's meant to be fun it's meant to be lighthearted, and for you it's meant to be quick 
Is that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> so you're you're implying that I'm pretty slow. No, I'm not. I mean, I mean, no, I didn't say that. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, embrace failures. Embracing <laughs> the failure. Honestly, um, but well, if you're if you're up for it, we'll start the clock. Bring it on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, the obstacle is the way by uh, Ryan Holiday. Love it. What was your first concert? Uh, Eric Clapton. Hey, who was your most annoying teammate? <laughs> Too many, but if, if there's one, I'd say um, Bo Robinson. Who was your sporting hero? Sporting hero? Jeez, good question. Muhammad Ali. What's your go-to karaoke song? Pour some sugar on me. Oh, yes. Scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Which one's which? 10 is, ten, the, which ten is the best. Yeah. Secretive. 10 the best? Yeah. All right, one. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh... Shawshank Redemption. Love it. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Sorry? What's something you could eat for a week straight? Oh, sashimi. Love it. Yeah, I love that you love Shawshank Redemption. That's one of my favourite movies. I must say uh, it would be interesting to see if anyone would be game enough to write uh, a sequel or a prequel to it because – yeah, I think the best uh, like cinematography I've ever seen is from that movie. Good flick. I agree. Well, Toph, thanks very much for joining us. It's been great no, to have you. I really appreciate uh, it. Appreciate you taking no, some time. The great work. That was Tatafi Pulach now, ex Wallaby, and my co-host on another ABC show, That Pacific Sports Show. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like. To be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Have you ever wanted to ask a current or former athlete anything? This is what our favorite segment, You Can Ask That, is all about. This week, Dean, we have been sent through a question from Solomon Kabir Santo, or as we know him, his handle, at Santo underscore MCFC. And he has a pretty good question for us this week. Yeah. So his question is How do athletes mentally prepare themselves before a match? Which is a good question because there's. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different things that people do or athletes do to, to get ready for a match, but uh, there'd be some common themes, I reckon. What's something that you do, says, to prepare mentally before a match? Routine to me on game day is very important because I feel like if my routine is rock solid, mental game will be on point. Particularly this year, one that I did was like get up early, do a 10-minute yoga stretch with yoga with Cassandra. She was fantastic, by the way, if anyone's interested in a quick <laughs> yoga workout, followed by breakfast, coffee, pool time, 10 minutes. Don't know what the pool was going to do to me, but I was like, if I get in the pool, I am like the ultimate professional. And then basically I would spend time writing three goals, which were based around what I wanted to execute in the game. Typically one on defense, one on attack, and just like one on, I guess, emotion. Like what do I want to feel post game? Write it down. Maybe watch some of my own highlights. <laughs> I've actually heard well, Aaron. That's good. That's good. I've heard Aaron. Uh, yeah, Aaron Smith, the current uh, halfback for the for the All Blacks. That's something that he, I learned from him. He was like, "I watched my my highlights back," because it also fills you with confidence. Yeah. And once I do all of that, and you know, I've tied my hair and I've got my scrunchie in, I'm on. That's good. I like that routine. That's a good routine. The yoga with Cassandra. The whole thing. The oh, whole routine. Thank you. 
preparation is key, right? Before oh, any game, one hundred percent. It's a bit. It's been a while since I've prepared for a game, but um, I've had I've had some teammates that are so processed. If something goes wrong in their preparation or routine before a game. The, the whole world falls apart and they're like, I'm going to have a bad game. I didn't mm. get my process right. They get so stuck in their process. And I was someone that was like that probably early in my career. I'd, I'd probably try and stick to a routine. I can't remember my younger self's routine, but I was very, very cranky. I do remember that much on game day. I was so focused on the game coming up that I was really cranky. And Cranky hydler. Yeah. <laughs> like The only person when I was still living at home that I could tolerate on my game day was my sister. Everyone else would stay away from me. My mum would like disappear for a while. But my sister, she was all right because she, she knew how to sort of like give me space in, in our small house that we're living in. So it was pretty selfish. I was very selfish in, in my preparation. But um, as I got older and had kids, you can't help but avoid people yeah. and, and what goes along with kids that don't understand what I'm doing. So I, I turned to more of a routine where I'd be like, okay, I'll get up and, and have my breakfast. I'll have the right amount of sleep, get up, have my breakfast, go for a walk, have a stretch. Um, if it's a late game, nap during the day so that I'd be. I've always sucked at naps in the day. I can't do them. Sometimes they were not that great. Like I'd just toss and turn and not really get off to sleep. But um, I'd when I did get a good nap in, I felt really refreshed and prepared for a game. But I'd always try and do that at least four hours out from a game because you don't want to be, yeah, you know, waking up. So that was kind of like my preparation in getting my head right to be ready to perform, I guess. So I guess in short, what we're both saying is how we both mentally prepared for our game was about making sure we had well-organized mornings. Yes. That ticked all the boxes of preparing both, more so your body really, Yeah, preparing your body. One thing that I did learn, particularly through COVID when it first hit Sydney last year, was that while routines are fabulous, and you know how you said you had friends who were so process-driven that they thought if they deviated from it, they were screwed. Yeah. They're, like there's this really cool article that I read that said having good habits is better than having a solid routine, which I thought was great because sometimes, you know, people think, well, I have to walk the same route every morning before a game. If you're away, you can't walk that route. It's not, it's not very adaptive, is it? No. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the way that I definitely try and approach it now is rather than being like, I need to do X, Y, and Z before a game, like this exact way, it's more so about having really good habits. So for me, if getting up on game day is really important, like so I could go for a walk, I should be doing that every other day of the week, right? Because then it kind of just sets you up. And like, you know, to, as I've grown as like a woman and more so as an athlete, I've found that it's much more achievable to have good habits that lead into better preparation rather than like this dead solid routine that I have to follow, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. Listeners, write this down. Write down what Sam just said because that's Uh, very, very sound (laughs) and useful advice. Well, Dean, that was fantastic. It was. Yeah. And to any of our listeners, if you'd like to ask either one of us a question, you can send it through to ABC Sport on Twitter or you can find both of us on Instagram at Sarah Nangama or at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Can you be more Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. Still to come in this episode, we tackle some tough headlines in the ruck and we've got some music from a local artist. 
for a bit of a change of pace, we're heading over to Papua New Guinea, and we know that rugby league is a national sport over there. They go mad for rugby league, and the Digicel Cup finals have taken place, and there is a grand final on this weekend. Our man on the ground, Peter Pasal, has got some um, news on what's coming in that final, and just some general rugby league news for PNG. I am here with PNG National Rugby League Competition Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Ora Garrow. We're into the grand final now. We've had three weeks of uh, finals, and now we've got the grand final between the Lay Tigers and the Wagi Tumbe. Ora, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? Uh, first of all, this is your first year in the job. Tell us a little bit about how you found the challenge of managing uh, a leading competition in the country. Thank you, Peter. It's good to be on uh, ABC Radio. Yeah, so we've, we've got a, a short season uh, this time around for the Diesel Cup competition. We've, we've had uh, 11 rounds of competition and uh, four rounds of finals. So we've actually managed the games for the entire season um, from rounds one with, with COVID also affecting um, the game uh, going into this season. We, we actually had a late start around June. So we've come this far now. We had uh, eight rounds of games uh, without spectators and then eventually opened up after round eight. So after round eight, we spread the games out as well to other centres that is in Kimbe, that is in West New Britain, uh, in Leigh, uh, and then also to uh, Minsk, Kokopo. And um, yeah, so those are the other centres that were also having their games apart from just Port Mosby and Lee. So, yeah, I think um, with COVID and the restrictions, um, we, we, we were able to manage that all throughout. And now we've headed into the finals. We're actually into the grand final this weekend. So, yeah, that's, that's been an achievement um, um, for everyone, especially with the, the franchise owners and the, through the management of PNG RFL as well. So we've, we've, we've been working together uh, tirelessly all throughout the season. And what are the uh, the points that have made this competition a better spectacle for the fans and also raised the quality of the games? Um, I hear there have been some, some improvements or some adjustments and also uh, I think the clubs and the players have also been told certain things. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so we've, we've actually improved the game through, through raising the standards motto or team for this year. So that has been the focus for this year. Um, um, Ondina, which I took over from, um, started the motto for this year. So I more or less just carried on what what he has set up. Um, but the referees, um, in terms of um, refereeing in general, we we actually got um, trainers in to train them up throughout the whole season. So their fitness has been up to the game standards. Uh, even better than the game standards. Uh, we've also had um, new rule changes uh, with the infringements around the rock area, the rock place. Um, the referees have been enforcing the six more rule, uh, which is the new rule that has been introduced by International Rugby League Board, uh, which has uh, been used at the NRL as well and the Q Cup. So we more or less adopted uh, that rule. And the Reckless tackles. We've been coming down hard on on players that have been uh, playing the game with w- w- without any proper technique. 
Um, that we, we've been clamping down on that as well. So, yeah, in terms of referring coaching as well, more or less I've had a good um, coordinator that has um, mentored well. The, the new, we, we've got good, two new referees that have, that, that have risen to the occasion this year, uh, apart from the others that are also improving in their games. But um, there's Leonard Alphonse and there's uh, Manau Kema. Who come up to standards and will they be playing a part in the grand final this Sunday? Yeah, they'll be playing playing a part in the grand final um, at some uh, uh, during the game as well. So we've got the referee standards improve. We we we're working behind the scenes as well with the coaches, uh, giving the schedules with Michael Marum, our national coach, also working with the with the coaches this year. So th- there's been a lot of work at the back end. And, and before, I mean, within the broader season as well, in terms of improving standards. So those are the key areas or the KPIs we've been working on. All right, now on to the grand final. We had uh, six teams that qualified for the the finals. We had the Late Tigers, who were the minor premiers. They won the um, the shield that's named after Don Fox, who was a, a great personality in the game here in, in PNG. Uh, then we had the Mendy Murks who finished second. We had the Wagi Tumbe. We had the uh, Podmosi Vipers, the Hella Wigmen, and the Rabal Gurias. Now there's only two. There is the Late Tigers who beat the Murks last week in the major semi-final. The week before last, sorry, uh, to make to go straight to the grand final. And last Sunday we saw the uh, Wagi Tumbe score 31 points to 16 win over Mendy Murks in the preliminary final. How have you seen the, the finals, the Digital Cup finals, these last three weeks of matches and the standard, also the crowds coming in? Is that building up to a great finale on Sunday? Yeah, it's got a good build up to, to the finals on Sunday because you, you're actually looking at the top three teams which, which ended, ended through the preliminary final. Um, so they were all tied up as the top three teams, all on 18 points. Um, the Tigers, the Mooks and the Tumbes. So, the sort of sorted out itself in terms of their standards, um, how they they performed all throughout the season. So they deserve, they they all deserve to be in in the finals. Um, and after the preliminary, we were the the Tumbes who were coming very strong um, with the way they play, their game management, and I think the coaching as well that that's really impacted the, the performance on and off the field. So there's going to be a good tussle between um, them and the, the Lace Next Tigers who are, are not new to the arena, the Grand Final. So it's going to be an exciting game this, uh, this, this weekend. I think this is their fifth Grand Final in six years. Uh, they've won probably three of them. So the Lace Tigers have the experience. The Wagi Tumbe have the momentum. Mr. Garrow, last question. Who are you tipping for this uh, Grand Final? I think it's going to be a close game, but I think um, they've got some ex- experienced guys, ex Snacks Tigers players as well with them. They've got a good trainer, so I'm tipping Tumbe uh, slightly over the Tigers this Sunday, So, but it all depends on the game day. Everything depends on what you do on the day. We can say a lot, we can write a lot, but on the day, how you play is what's going to decide the game. Mr. Garrow, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, it was pretty cool that Peter could catch up with Mr. Gyro ahead of the finals. Yeah, it was great. Uh, he's the CEO of the P 
PNG Rugby League. So he obviously has got his finger on the pulse in terms of what's going on with rugby league in the country. And it was great to hear that uh, they've made some changes this year to try and improve the standard of the competition. They've adopted the rule changes that have occurred over here in Australia and, and in the world, actually. So um, they're looking to advance the competition. And as I said earlier, they love their rugby league in Papua New Guinea. And if they're strong, the domestic competition strong. The Hunters end up being strong. The national team is strong, so our international game grows. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing how their uh, grand final goes this weekend. Yes, the final will be held between the Lay Tigers and the Wagi Tumbe. Well, good luck to both teams, and uh, we'll see who wins. Go Tumbe. Go Tigers, of course. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. We're back with another week of Keeping It Social. And as always, our athletes come through with some stellar content. How did you go on the gram this week? What's the gram? Oh, Instagram. 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 Abbreviated so I'm, I'm for... slowly catching up to the lingo. You know, a little bit too slow for my likings. What do the hashtags do? The hashtags do... This is, this is good learning. Yeah. I'm glad you're asking. I'll get my pen. Okay, get your pen. Crank it. All right, first off, what do hashtags do? Hashtag gives you more exposure. Right. So, you know, you might take a picture of Darling Harbour and then you'd, I'm sorry, you'd hashtag it Darling Harbour and then, you know, you might come up on an explore page and then people are like, oh, Sydney. This is like fully technical. Mate, it's next level. And you're but on, onto you, it. Can I just say, you're asking about hashtags. Hashtags are so 2018. <laughs> no one hashtags. You know what the goal is now on Instagram? You just like short caption. Well, okay. You've lost me that short caption. Just a short caption. Okay. Like, cool. thank you so much for the paragraphs. Like, they're, they're cool. Like, don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. They're yeah. always welcome. But, like, you know, people want to be quick on the gram. Okay. You know, I think it's getting shorter. It's getting shorter. Yeah. People's attention span getting shorter. Social maybe making us dumber. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely making me a bit thick in the head I'm sometimes. Right. But these are all valuable notes. Valuable can, notes. Um, so, did you come across anything on the gram, aka the Instagram? Yes, I did. I went searching through uh, some football teams. Instagrams and South Sydney Rabbitohs, they always deliver. Yes, they don't do. Don't they? Yeah. Yes, they They're do. They're one of the so. good ones. All right, I'm catching on. But anyway, South Sydney Rabbitohs, they had a few ball boys uh, on the weekend. As we've seen across the relocated competition this year, ball boys have been from the playing ranks. And I love that. there's been some really high profile ball boys for every team. This weekend for the Rabbitohs, it was Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker, and Damian Cook. So there's what probably a trio. like three quarters of the salary cap just in their ball boys. <laughs> They put up a clip, a really funny clip of them getting ready for the game. They actually got to the ground before the team, set up the change rooms, took all the equipment out, and then did the um, did the ball boy duties on the side of the field. And they were fighting over each other to who who puts the ball down. I love this piece of content just because it also shows like a really humbling nature of um, the players. And something that it also highlights is no one is bigger than the game, right? Because even though those boys, uh, like you said, they make up for a third of the salary cap, there are people that would actually do that. And uh, I'm not sure if you've ever had to do it in your time playing, but um, it definitely happens in the women's game and at the international level as well. I've had uh, many privileges of being a DD, as they call us. You get flogged in the morning for conditioning. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yep, get yep. flogged in the morning so you still get your Ks in. And then the bus is packed and you're in the first car with the doctor <laughs> to the field to go set up. But you know what? Character building. Yes. Sweep the sheds, all blacks. Top. That's yep. either one of the best. Yep. But that's great content, Dean. I've got to give it to you for that. What about yours? What's your content for this week? 
Okay, let me just pull up my Instagram. Instagram. Pull up the gram. <laughs> uh, it all, my one this week actually comes from the Rabbitohs as well. They just, they're just they on the money this week Show with that. their content. I love content. Mine comes from Mark Nichols. As we know, he was named captain for his side uh, last week and he provided his teammates with a sensational motivational speech. And he went a little like this. So we all know forwards. They do the tough carries, get line speed, east-west, kick pressure. I mean, halfbacks are smart. But if you look back at the past two decades of this club, the most inspirational leaders, Sam Burgess, OG Goat John Sutton, Big Bad Brian Fletcher. They're all forwards. It's about time this team had a forward as a skipper. (laughs) (laughs) Who better than a forward who scored a double last year? Good was it? For someone that's never, I don't think he's ever captained his side before. So for someone that's never been a captain before, he nailed it. I just love that he like really ramps up the forwards because I'm a forward. You're a forward. I was a bit of everything, but mostly a forward. Oh, yes. okay. Your big utility. It's not a good thing, utility. <laughs> it's like you kind of jack like of all trades, master of none. Oh, yeah. You could have just left it where I said. No, it. no. That's that's actually. I think that's my uh, profile uh, in um, Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know what. Send me their handles. I'm going to go for them now. No one talks to my media bestie like that. Back to Mark Nichols. It Mark Nichols, but it was great. Forward, yeah. I loved it. I think it's it's just so great because, like you said, it's uh, it's really special though when you do get given the honour to captain your side and I just thought he went about it uh, gracefully and with a lot of humour. And the boys loved it, which loved indicates it. that they love him and no doubt that's why he got that honour. Love him. In the run. Tackling the tough headlines in sport... On Can You Be More Pacific? In the Rackley Week, we tackle some pretty tough headlines. First being the NRLW competition uh, being postponed. We did, we did know this. However, there's been some reaction from the girls. Yes, and, and rightly so. For some of them, they're, they're very um, annoyed at the situation they find themselves in. And look, there's, there's no doubt it's a very complex issue and um, the NRL had to make a decision. I'm sure there were a lot of stakeholders that were involved in those conversations when they got to that decision point, but there has been some reaction from players. Yeah, there definitely has been. And I have a couple of friends that uh, play within the NRW and you obviously have friends too. But one thing that I have definitely valued about all of these players speaking out is that they've been so unapologetic in their approach. And for me, myself, my competitions have all been called. My test schedule has been called, um, which was so unfortunate because we haven't had a test match since 2019. And you know what? It does make it a bit tough. Like I won't lie. It's tough when you see your male counterparts who are meant to be, um, you know, equal to me, um, having the same opportunity. And I do understand that it's a lot bigger than that. There's, you know, there's financial obligations, there's quarantine, there's COVID, which is, you know, for the most part ruined a lot of things. Um, but it's just, it's it's quite empowering when I hear my sister speaking up because I'm like, you know what, I share that same struggle as you. And you know what, there's a lot of players who don't actually feel comfortable talking about it, but these players are kind of in the front line, copying all the heat for it, having the big conversations with some big names in sports media. And um, I think it's just, it's attracted the public to this whole topic because for the longest time, like, there's oh well, it's the current reality is there's inequality in our sport, you know, so it's tough. But I I think my personal stance is I stand with the girls and I think you know what speak up because you believe that you deserve better because you actually do deserve better. 
hopefully there's some conversations that come off the back of this um, with the right people. Uh, it's hard for me, as you all know, I work at the NRL and um, decisions have been made that I have no clue about how they came to the decision they came to, but I know that there's a lot of reasons behind it. I also empathize, and I've never been in that position, so it's hard for me to completely empathize, but I get that some of the players are quite annoyed about not being able to play this year, not being able to play the NRLW season this year. Next year is going to be a full-on year. Hopefully that can be a good thing, but I know it's going to present a lot of challenges as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I definitely respect your your stance on it considering, you know, the role that you have at the NRL. You know, there's just one thing that I do want to make mention of, and it's like to our male counterparts, regardless of what sport that you play in, like really rally behind your girls when they're going through it. Because I can definitely speak from experience when the Waratahs boys have been going through some pretty like tough consecutive losses me and my mates we all get in our cars and we make the effort to go out there and fill the stadiums and get behind them in a situation like this where they still have the privilege i'm going to go as far as to say the privilege to still play their sport get behind your girls when they're saying that they did they they want a little bit more because they're not saying we don't want you to play they just want to say we want a little bit of what you're having at the same time that you get it so um it's it's a hard period right now in sport, no doubt for administrators and players alike. I just hope that we come out of this with some hard lessons learned and some better planning around the game so that um, no one misses out. Well said. Great. And the NFL actually kicks off next week. So I'll be glued to my TV on a early Monday morning to watch uh, the games roll out. I think they start, no, they start like when they're four in the morning or something. Oh, by that time you've already done a 10K run, a 5K swim and done yoga for the day. (laughs) Yoga with Definitely Cassandra? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a former NRL player or Rabbitohs player, Jordan Mailata, who signed at the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago now. He's been there for three seasons, I think. He's, uh, well, It's been told that he is going to be the starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a pretty Huge important job. position. Yeah, so he's going to be responsible for protecting the quarterback's blind side. I think that's the… Um, left side, strong side. I think that's the analogy for the, that we're looking for there. And… Um, it means he's going to get a windfall in terms of uh, a salary increase if that's his permanent spot that he that he beds down. Good on him. We've seen a couple of Pacific Islanders in the past uh, have a crack at the NFL. And sorry, NFL. Jared Haynes, uh, Valentine Holmes. So it's huge that he's landed a contract, and good on him. Yes, good on Jordan, and good luck for the season ahead. Mm-hmm. Turning our attention to rugby union, the Black Ferns have announced their squad that will tour in Europe uh, over October and November, which is super exciting. I believe they have 12 debutants joining this side. As we know, the Black Ferns currently sit uh, one on the uh, rugby world ladder. World World rankings. World rankings. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. They sit number one in world rankings. Um, So this is a really, for me, even though I play for Australia, this is super heartening to know that our game is still moving forward. I would have loved to be on tour with them or playing against them, but it is what it is. Um, Just like it's super exciting to hear 12 table towns are part of this squad. Um, They have a couple of girls uh, from the sevens uh, who just secured gold in Tokyo um, not too long ago, also in the fold. So um, huge couple of months. Can't wait to see how they do over there. I think it's going to be a stellar tournament. It's great that uh, New Zealand rugby has afforded them the opportunity to, to get over there. And, and obviously there's going to be some um, processes and protocols I have to follow in traveling internationally, but getting international rugby going for mm. the Black Ferns over in Europe, what an exciting period for them. Yeah, super exciting. It'll be great to watch as well. It will be. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Well, that's all we have time for this week, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. 
If you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. Don't forget you can catch more Pacific Sports coverage on That Pacific Sports Show, hosted by my wonderful co-host Sarah here on ABC Australia, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. PNG time, and catch up anytime on ABC Australia iView. That's all Bye there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.